0: What's well, happening, everyone? Welcome to the penultimate episode of Gangrene and Goudreau for the 2022 regular season. This is Goudreau here. Thank you all very much for listening. As always, I hope everyone had a wonderful New Year's weekend. You were able to celebrate 2023, hopefully bringing everyone bigger and better things. But in the NFL, we're gearing up for the playoffs. We're only a week plus out from wildcard weekend. Not that that word means anything to the Jets, the word playoffs, I guess the only thing it means is that we're now 12 years with the longest playoff drought in the NFL. So it is what it is. As I sit here with a beer in my hands, my phone on my lap, my laptop in front of me, and plenty of things I want to get off my chest. And I'd be remiss to not open the show without providing this disclaimer. As I posted on the Facebook page, and I'll repeat again, based on what happened on Monday Night Football, I did not feel it appropriate to post this show the following day. Tuesdays have been my day to post these typically, but like I said, I cannot in good conscience bring myself to talk football. In an athletic sportsmanship sense, given the human toll that we saw on Monday night, it just would not have been appropriate in my mind. And I strive as being a man of principle, someone who likes to think of people first. And out of the respect for everyone involved, it just didn't feel right. So I waited a few days. Which, if I can put a positive spin, has allowed me to decompress, compartmentalize how I feel about my team. And whether or not things are going to get better in the foreseeable future remains to be seen. Now that we're in the new year, we've kick 2023 with two things. Number one, we closed the book on the previous year. By talking about our favorite movies of last year and talking about some Q&A questions that were tremendously fun to answer. It was a great show. This week, we're reviewing Maximum Overdrive. We're spending January in the world of Stephen King before moving on to Bluer Waters to give you somewhat of a tease for what we'll be talking about after which. So sit tight. Follow us on this Route 66 of Stephen King adaptations with Maximum Overdrive and Trucks. Then we're doing three entries in the Sometimes They Come Back series. And then putting Stephen King on temporary hiatus. Which I'm sure Adam is very grateful about. Speaking of gratefulness, I'll say this before I go further. I am very fortunate that this year I have had less than... Or I should say, excuse me, I've had more than enough things to talk about with the Jets. This was not a season of entire misery or an outright failure. But there's a lot of Mixed emotions that I feel currently. The future seems very murky. The present has imploded. And the past, in the form of drafts and decisions, has proverbially slapped this team in the face. And I don't know where to begin. Because when Sunday's game was over and the Jets were officially eliminated from playoff contention, that was not the thing that bothered me. I have said throughout this season that despite their record being quote-unquote ahead of schedule in the eyes of many, I did not believe that the Jets were ready to take that next step being a postseason ticket. Now having said that, if you would have told me that a team that was 6-3 and three at the bye, coming off a win against Buffalo, would then win only a single game after that moment, and be staring at possibly a 7-10 and 10 season, or at best an 8-9 and nine season, I would have told you that, wow, a lot of things must have transpired in order for that to happen. And a lot's been said. And quite frankly, a lot of it I have eloquently discussed on these shows previously. Am I bummed that the season has collapsed? Yes. And collapse, I think, is the appropriate word. You can't look at a team that started out 6-3 and three and then loses now 5 in a row after winning a game to go to 7-4. and four as anything but a collapse. And the scary thing, and this will be a good launching point for me to assess where the team is at. Let me take another sip of my beer before I begin. On that note, I'm drinking Yingling's Hershey's Chocolate Porter. I'm not a huge porter person. I'm more of a potter person in the form of Harry Potter. But I got to say, this is a pretty good beer. It's got the right hint of sweetness from the chocolate. It's thick without being difficult to drink. I'd give this one a solid B. The B I'd give for the Jets would subsequently be followed by the letter S. And it would be the word BS based on what happened. because. Here here is my biggest point of contention that I have. The football gods, who have often shit on the Jets, more so than a lot of teams in the NFL, gave us a gift after the Jacksonville debacle. Everything that they needed to have happen to keep their slim playoff hopes alive came to fruition. The Packers beat the Dolphins. The Bengals beat the Patriots. So their playoff chances were alive if they showed up to Seattle. And there was no way to get around it. There was no way to soften the blow. This team didn't get off the plane. And I was very upset and borderline angry. At the effort that I have seen the last two weeks. Because it looks to me like this team has quit. Looks like this coach has quit. It looks like the players have lost all their confidence. It looks like a team that has been fractured. And I don't know how you stitch this back together. That'll definitely be something I talk about. Maybe at the end of the next show. As the season officially ends. I don't understand... Have a team that still has everything to play for, with a coach that always talks about being a player's coach, that's Sala's biggest point of advocation from his supporters, in which I still do consider myself to be one. But that notwithstanding, I don't understand how you have everything to play for two weeks in a row, and you come out flat, unmotivated, uncreative, sluggish. It's a ton of adjectives I could throw out, all of them being negative, by the way. And much like the Jacksonville game, where I knew the game was over from the first offensive drive, I knew this game was over from the first defensive drive. I have to be straightforward and double down on my stance that I don't believe this defense is overrated per se. But you can't give up a 60-yard run on the first play from scrimmage and let Seattle go up 7-0 after a three-play 75-yard drive. That shit can't happen in a do-or-die type of game. I get it was on the road. But you got to show up. But that is only a microcosm for what happened. Do I place some blame on the defense? Yes. However, when I look at this losing streak in a bubble that, quite frankly, I want to poke with a stick and never see again, there's something to be said for a defense that in these five games is not getting embarrassed. They're not giving up 30-plus points every game and 500 yards to the opposing quarterback. That's not been the case. There's just been instances where they've broken and instances where they had to bend. And situationally, they've had some mental errors that have led to these losses. And I think everyone has a part to blame. But I do place a lot of my, I guess, own self-blame on the offense. I don't care how good your defense is. You can't win in the NFL when you've scored nine offensive points in the last two weeks. Nine. Here's the point that the Jets defense has allowed in these five losses. They gave up 27 to Minnesota, 20 to Buffalo, 20 to Detroit, 19 to Jacksonville, 23 to Seattle. The most they gave up was 27 to Minnesota, and that was the worst game the defense has played all year. I will freely admit that. But here's the offensive output that we got in those five games. 22, 12, 17, 3, 6. I think the scales of disdain are shining much more in the favor of the offense. It's not just on the quarterback. Mike White played like crap. He played like someone who was hurt and still recuperating from broken ribs, which in all likelihood he still is. you have two quarterbacks on the team, you don't have a quarterback. Mike White's not the guy. I don't believe in my heart of hearts Zach Wilson is the guy anymore. As I said last week, I don't believe the Jets' starting quarterback next year is currently on this roster. Mike White threw two terrible interceptions. But let's not exonerate his teammates. Corey Davis, yet another drop. Seiji Uzama had a ball right in his hands. That would have been a big catch and he dropped it. What the hell has happened to the run game? Our offensive coordinator keeps getting away from it when it's working. And even when it's not working, you still got to try it because you get, you've got to keep the opposing defense honest. It's been the same thing since the bye week. The opposing defense loads the box because they know the Jets' quarterbacks are incapable of throwing deep on them. It's a combination of their offensive line being in shambles and their quarterbacks not having the mental makeup to make the completions. So it's everyone's fault. Coaching, schematics, players, and quite frankly, the defense, I think they've been figured out as well. Here's what I mean by that. And this game was a perfect example. No one is attacking the Jets' corners, Sauce and D.J. Reed, DK Metcalf had one catch for three yards. Tyler Lockett had two catches for 15 yards. They didn't lose this game because their corners got beat like a drum. They lost this game because they followed the blueprint. Don't throw on their corners, being the Jets, because they're too good. Instead, take advantage of your tight end mismatches on linebackers and use your running back side of the backfield on screens and angle passes. Because the Jets' linebacking core and safeties are not great. In fact, I wouldn't even classify them as good. they got a good defensive line, great corners. But the middle of their defense and the back end of their defense leave a lot to be desired. And that's what Seattle did. They picked them apart. But they also gave up 200 yards rushing. Too many missed tackles. Just it, it was a collective disappointment. And if you're a Jet fan, I think you have every right to be pissed off at this effort. Two weeks in a row, your season on the line, and you get nothing to hang your hat on. I use the C word collapse. And I have to reemphasize that is what this was. But now it begs the question. What is the fallout going to be? To be frank, I don't know. Our owner's pretty unpredictable. Is there a chance he fires everybody? I think it's unlikely, but there's a sliver that makes it possible. Especially if they lose six in a row with the finale against Miami. If you... After starting out six and three, end the game, end the season on a six-game losing streak. Someone's head's gonna roll. Could be everybody. They could have one person be the sacrificial lamb. Someone is going to have to be the fall guy. And where do I stand on this, as a fan? Is that I don't believe you should fire people just for the sake of firing people to look for and express accountability doesn't really solve your, your bigger issues. So I'm of the opinion you either retain everybody or fire everybody. I don't think you just fire the OC. I don't think you fire the DC. I don't think you just fire Sala. I think it's an all or nothing type of thing. And the only way I would keep Sala and fire LaFleur, the OC, is if Frank Reich can be the OC. I think he is one of those guys who is very great at developing quarterbacks as an OC, not as a head coach. Some guys are regional managers, not CEOs. And it's Frank Reich's a pretty damn good regional manager. So if you could bring him in to try to either salvage Zach Wilson or, or whoever you bring in as a quarterback, I'm all for that. But Saul is a loyal guy. And Mike LaFleur was like the best man at his wedding. So I I don't think Sala has the balls to fire his OC. I think he's prideful, and I think it would be an instance where if Woody Johnson says you have to fire him, Sala would say, okay, I'm out too. I think that's a very realistic scenario that the Jets have to think long and hard about. As Jet fans, we like to talk about the big tunas, I'm not just talking about Bill Parcells, of getting the big quarterback or the big head coach. I talked about quarterbacks last week. Talk about a head coach that keeps coming up, Sean Payton. I think you owe it, if you're the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson, to call Sean Payton and say, Do you have any interest in coming here? And if so, What would it take? Do you want to bring in your own staff? Do you want your own quarterback? How much money do you want? What do you have to pay the Saints and draft capital and salary to get Sean Payton? I think all of those things should be discussed. You have to do your due diligence when there's guys out there of that caliber. And if Sean Payton's interested, I'm telling Sala and company, see you later. I would roll with Sean Payton. Assuming he wants the job. If he doesn't, then it is what it is. I'm sure he has his sights on other jobs like Dallas if that opens. Or Los Angeles if that opens. He's got options. But I think you still owe it to make the phone call. It's unlikely. I'd say it's about a 5% chance that Sean Payton is the head coach of the Jets next year. Now, this begs the question, when you look at big picture on this season, was it a failure or was it a success? Even as someone who did not view the Jets as a playoff team, I am leaning towards failure just because the successes I can think of are largely individual players. Sauce Gardner leads the NFL in passes defended. Garrett Wilson, first Jets receiver since 2015 to have 1,000 yards as a rookie with garbage quarterback play. Quinn and Williams are finally playing like a number three overall pick and in the interior of the D line. Certainly things to hang your hat on, but it's not a collective success. Those are just individual players. Brees Hall when he played, AVT when he played, but it's the win. Because injuries, I think, are a, are something that really hurt this team. It is undeniable how different this offense has looked without Brees Hall and ABT. It is a point that you cannot look past. They really crippled this team. And they have not been able to revamp, despite attempts to do so. Reshuffling the O-line, trading for James Robinson, even though we haven't seen him play. Apparently he's been hurt. I I don't buy that excuse. Particularly, why would you trade for him if he knew he was hurt? So, I also say it's a failure because you have to take advantage of opportunities that are given to you. I'm not talking about running the table or anything of that sort. But they've had too many instances this year where things went their way when it comes to the last two weeks. You know, win and keep your playoff hopes alive. But I look at the, the two Patriot games. You win one of those. Season outlook is very different. Braxton Berrios catches that touchdown pass in Minnesota. It's another win right there. So they did not capitalize on those key opportunities when they shined bright. So because of that, I have to say, for the most part of the season, it's been a disappointment and a failure. You can't go from six and three to seven and ten or, or eight and nine. You just you can't and say, oh, job well done. So I'm at a place where the two questions we had as Jet fans do we have the right coach? Do we have the right quarterback? And can we play meaningful games in December? Three questions, technically. Third one is yes. We didn't win any of them, but we played them. I don't think Zach Wilson's our guy. And quite frankly, I don't know about Salah. I'm tired of his cliched phrases. I'm tired of his... When things are going great, he's a great rah-rah type of coach. But when things have been bad and adversity has reared its ugly head, he's largely been underwhelming. And watching him on the sideline is frustrating. If I was him, I would be screaming at my players for giving up a 60-yard run on the opening play. I would be getting in guys' faces if they drop passes. And I understand his mentality of, oh, i got to delegate to my OC and DC, and I just oversee everything. When, when your season is on the line, you get off your headset and go talk to your players to, to motivate them. He said it's not his job to motivate them. Bullshit. That's one of the number one jobs of a head coach. So watching him on the sidelines, it's eerily similar to Todd Bowles when things are going bad, And that is not a name you want to be associated with if you're a Jets head coach. So it's to be determined what's going to happen. I think there's still some unknowns. It'll depend on what happens next week. I, I do think that if they win that game against Miami, finish 8-9. and nine, I don't think there'd be much change. It doesn't advance you to the playoffs or anything, but you win eight games. Last year, you won four. The year before, you won two, so you doubled your win total two years in a row. But I truly believe if everyone is brought back, there will be a playoff mandate next year. Because this will be Salah's third year. This will be Joe Douglas' fifth year as the GM. It's time to make the playoffs. Rebuilds don't take this long. You whiff on your quarterback. That's on you. But you've got enough pieces with the combination of guys you've drafted, an upcoming draft, an upcoming free agency, you get a new quarterback, and you say, fuck it. We're going for it. Make every attempt to get to the playoffs next year. Because if you don't, then I believe Johnson's going to clean house. I also alluded to Sala, his in-game management there's a point in this game where I think you should have benched Mike White. Again, with your season on the line, and your quarterback's not getting it done, I go to Flacco or Strevler and say, try and try and do something. You pulled Zach out of a game in Jacksonville when he was playing like crap. Should have done the same for Mike White. Treat all your players equally. They're not getting it done. Take them off the field and try someone else. Especially again, I reiterate, with your season on the fucking line. He looks defeated. This team looks defeated. They're going to have to do some major soul-searching this offseason. I also think they're going to have to clear some cap space to go get a quarterback. Joe Douglas' two biggest free agent signings. Corey Davis. He's got more drops than Splash Mountain. Carl Lawson, yeah, he's got seven sacks, but $15 million a year, that's not cutting it. You save a good chunk of change cutting those guys or trading them. I think they're casualties. This offensive line's probably going to be revamped yet again. So it's almost like we're back to square one, but we have guys like Sauce, Garrett Wilson, AVT, Brees Hall, Quentin Williams, some really good players. But I think it only gets you so far if you don't have a quarterback. If you don't have an offense, that's the big thing. Like I am so tired as a Jet fan of watching garbage offense. Ineffective run games. Passes flying over guys' heads. Receivers dropping balls. Offensive lines who don't know how to block. Shit's a Bible for Jet fans in the last decade plus. And I also don't want to hear, speaking of coaches coming back, I have no desire to have Rex Ryan come back to this team. I love Rex. Appreciate what he did. I have great memories of him. He lasted six years as a coach, which is an eternity for Jet fans for, or for Jet coaches. But he could never develop a quarterback. That's what this team needs. You either get someone that you trade for that can just come in and play, or you blow the whole thing up and start again. I don't think you can run it back with this quarterback run. You just can't. Can't sell season ticket holders, which by the way, season tickets went up 30 fucking percent after this collapse. A lot of balls on ownership to pull that shit. So there's a lot of, a lot of frustration in the green and white parts of New York City. But it's not unwarranted. I know Jet fans have a, have a reputation for being quick to pull the trigger and overreactionary, but... To quote the Dark Knight Rises, gave them a sense of hope to poison their souls with that 6-3 start. And they turned into the Jets. Same old Jets. And as I said, even as someone who didn't want them, didn't think they were going to make the playoffs, it's hard not to be, even in my own headspace, be upset and disappointed. Because when I sit down to watch on Sunday, I expect competitive fire. I expect spirit. I expect fight. This is two weeks in a row again where they have done nothing. It's a bad way to end the season. But I guess this show is a good way to kickstart 2023 over here on the site. So I'll do one more show after the Miami game. And then as the off-season goes along, maybe I'll pop in here or there to talk about free agency moves, drafting. But I'll say this, if Sala and company get fired, I will definitely do a show talking about who I would want and my, I guess, roadmap to put the Jets back into prosperity. But that's to be determined at this point, considering all the things we have happening on the site in my life as well. So this has been a fun ride, and it's crazy that the NFL season is already essentially over for the regular season. It's gone by quick. I've had a lot of fun doing these shows. even amidst this losing streak. But I'm just happy I have content in some way to vent, because as Garrett said, this is a lot cheaper than paying for therapy bills. So I'll conclude by saying that while next week's game may seem meaningless in the grand scheme of things for this season, I do think how they play, how they look, how the coaches act will bear some weight on how this team looks next year. If they come out flat again three weeks in a row, then I think you gotta, shit's not right and you gotta clean house and figure something out. But we'll see. So, with that, I bid you all good night. Thank you very much for listening. Be sure to stay updated with all the happenings here on Percolated Media. On behalf of Adam, Garrett, and myself, this is Goudreau here signing off, and I hope to hear from you soon. Bye.